Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be together. We've got some work to do, and uh, we um, we have um, a very interesting time. Very interesting time right now. I have to tell you that I have... Um, the situation in Georgia is what I want to spend a bunch of time on and what's going on down there because they passed some common sense uh, election uh, confidence measures and it's being attacked by the narrative machine. So it's not a surprise. I thought we've been through this a number of times that the narrative machine is set up to try to uh, use big tech, big government and excuse me, big tech, big media and big government to further their ends. But what is fascinating about this is they're utilizing uh, what I've been talking about for almost two and a half months, really four months since the election. And uh, so we'll go to that. Uh, we also will uh, have a visit today with uh, some great guests. Uh, you know, one of my favorite parts of this is that the show is divided into four segments and I go uh, two segments of what we're talking about and then two segments of interviews. Today we will talk with... Um, Hey, our old friend uh, Saurabh Sharma. He's been on a second time. He'll be on. Uh, he's got a new organization that he started uh, called American Moment, and he will talk about uh, what's going on there. A lot happening, uh, and a very cool guy, uh, worth hearing. And um, AmericanMoment.org also is their website. We'll talk with uh, Saurabh Sharma in a minute. And also, we will visit today with, of course, uh, a new guest. His name is Tim Pagliara, and he's a businessman out in Nashville and he'll talk about what's he's got a new book on what's happened in the uh, housing in the housing crisis how government basically made money yet again on the taxpayers and how they haven't been called on it all right so we'll get to that later remember you can follow me over at proamericareport.com proamericareport.com sign up for the daily email the wink what you now know what you now know is the name of that uh, we're changing that from what you need to know to what you now know and uh, also you can follow me at Eagle Ed Martin on Twitter Ed Martin live on Facebook and everywhere else on Parlor and Gab at, at uh, Ed Martin and go from there. All right, so let's talk about what you now know. When I finish this, you will now know what the deal is, what the story is. Georgia passed a law in the last few days that says basically we do, our people here aren't sure the election was done well enough. We're going to pass some measures that give them some more confidence in the system. That's their job. Republican legislature, that's true. Republican governor, that's true. Not particularly, by the way, a Republican governor that's been loved by Trump. I think he was, you know, uh, uh, antagonistic to Trump. But so there you have it. Elected officials all. They passed these laws and it was signed by the governor. And now what's happening? Now what's happening is the narrative machine kicks in. And here's where it gets very interesting. The head of the CEO of Delta, the major airline that's based in Atlanta, released a letter and the letter said you know, I object. The law you passed is not appropriate, especially because 
It's based on the lie that there were problems with the election. Now, I'm going back to tell you exactly what I predicted two months ago. The reason why they've gone about this effort, big tech, big media, and big government, to make it seem like that you can't even say there was a problem with the 2020 election. If you do, you're an insurrectionist, seditious, you're maybe a murderer. The reason why they've done that is to give themselves ammo in the narrative machine because you don't win in politics or almost anything by one knockout blow. You do it by a thousand cuts, by a thousand facts, by a thousand steps, however you want to think about it. And the CEO of Delta said, I hereby buy into the big lie, the idea that it's a, if you have any doubts about the election in 2020, you're, you're buying into a lie. That's what he said. He wrote it in a letter. The PGA, Major League Baseball, all objecting and saying the same thing. By the way, PGA and Major League Baseball, they both have elections in their organizations and they have their rules for the elections. And you know what? Nobody tells them how to run their elections. The members of Major League Baseball get to set how they do their elections, their corporate guidelines. Same thing with the PGA. You would think they would understand how our system is set up in such a way that the Georgia elected officials are allowed to go about doing reforms. But here's the problem. They are now invoking the narrative machine point, which is you cannot, if you have any, there's never been any question about the 2020 election, they say. No one's ever found anything. There's no reason to worry about it. That's what they've done for three and a half, four months. That's what they've tried to drill into you. And now what they're doing is ramping up the cost, trying to ramp up the pressure, trying to ramp up the intensity of the response in such a way that normal people start to yield. Normal people start to say, ah, it's really not worth the trouble. I don't really know if I want to be bothered sort of getting crossways with everybody, Major League Baseball and all these people, and I'm just going to sort of back off a little bit. That's the goal. And by the way, around the country, other state legislatures are looking going, huh, maybe we shouldn't go this far. Maybe we shouldn't do what we think. Maybe we shouldn't whatever. There has been, there is no evidence. There's nothing presented. There's no letter in the Delta CEO didn't write a letter, Major League Baseball, that said the laws you passed are improper. They don't like them, but they're, they're, they're not saying they're improper. They're not outside of the rule of the law. They're not outside of what's allowed. They just don't like them, and they shouldn't be done because there's never been any fraud found. Well, you're making it up. You're lying. You people that think there was fraud in 2020, you're lying. And as I've said, if you think it's going to stop with the CEO of Delta and Major League Baseball and PGA, you're just dead wrong. Because the next part of the thousand steps, the thousand cuts, the thousand factors is that they'll have a judge. There'll be a lawsuit and the lawsuit will say it'll actually cite to things like the the CEO of Delta said there was no fraud and objected to it. And why did this happen? And the judge will say, you can't pass laws that address a problem that everybody agrees never occurred. That's what's happening. The power of this that's happening right now is epic. It's epic. And the two things that we have to do, now that you know what I've told you, what you now know 
is what I've told you. What they're doing is a plan. The plan doesn't start on November 4th. It doesn't finish today. It goes all the way through a thousand steps, a thousand cuts, a thousand factors all the way through. And coming down the line, I can predict it as sure as I can predict the sun coming up tomorrow. There'll be lawsuits citing the same facts. There was never anything found. No fraud found. Even the Delta CEO says it. They'll cite each other. They cite back and forth in a self-referential swamp. And more and more people will be uh, uh, susceptible to what I call the Volokhovl theory of communism, which is people start to self-censor in the direction of what the communists wanted under in the Czech Republic. And in this case, what the narrative machine demands, people will self-censor to get into the right setup. That's their plan. That's their goal. That's what they're succeeding at. So what you now know is those facts. Now what you do about it is two things. One is you have to start talking about it. You have to predict it. You have to tell people, watch what's coming next. What's coming next will be lawsuits. What's coming next will be the Department of Justice under Joe Biden opening an investigation into voter suppression based on the fact that there was never any fraud found in the November 2020 election. They didn't look for it. They've never actually litigated it, but they'll say that and it will work. So number one, you have to know what's coming. And by predicting what's coming, you can understand what's happening. And number two, we have to fortify ourselves to not be rolled over. We have to fortify our elected officials. We have to become the ballast for the men and women that are in office to hold them steady. Because if you don't hold them steady, they're not just rolling the um, you know the the, um, the a regulation on uh, on uh, you know how many tire, how much tire how much tire pressure you have to have in your car if you're a trucker you know whatever no they're trying and succeeding at getting control of the elections and then it's game over once it's clear that they have that and they pulled it off last fall then it's game over so what you now know is the playbook. And what you now know is what's coming. And now what you have to do is step up. Step up. Be not afraid. Speak the truth. Buck each other up and do what's right. And there'll be lots of ways along the way to fight and fight back. I mean, fight back in litigation, fight back. The, the Delta CEOs getting blowback or you know, getting more education, all those kinds of things. All right, we got to take a break. We'll be right back. When we come back, we will talk with... Uh, we will talk with uh, Saraba Sharma and Tim Bagliara. We'll catch an update and we'll follow up at the end of the show. We'll talk. be right back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Talk to you. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. And our next guest, we had him on a few weeks ago. I think it was a few weeks ago. It could have been a little bit longer. Uh, Saurabh Sharma is one of the uh, co-founders of the a new organization, which is out there. It's called American Moment. American Moment. You go to atammoment.org on uh, Twitter and all over the place. And he's also the president of the organization. And uh, he has, we have uh, had a piece that was up in, I think, Business Insider. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, uh, the media's favorite guy to kind of trot out and say, isn't this neat? He was a mayor and he's going to have this huge infrastructure bill. But what's lost behind it is how are you going to pay for it? Where are you going to get the money? So, uh, Saurabh Sharma is with us. Uh, how are you, sir? I'm doing well and, uh, you know, really troubled by this story of, of Pete Buttigieg. I think it's, it's, it's peak liberal elite thinking and, and really everything wrong with the country uh, or the, the people who claim to be ruling our country right now. 
It is, uh, it is, and yet, if you go out, I'm sure it's done, they're testing it in the sense that you say to people, oh, yeah, we got to rebuild the roads, right? Oh, gosh, that Eisenhower was such a great president. He built all the roads. And meanwhile, you know, <laughs> a trillion or two dollars later, how do you pay for it? And I guess, uh, what is what is the path forward here? You know, how how is the, what are we going to see and hear as the messaging and what's the reality behind it? Sure. So for your listeners, you know, the the proposal here from Pete Buttigieg, and it was very much just floated out there as a trial balloon, and they immediately walked it back because the response was so, so angry from from ordinary Americans was the idea that you would get taxed, uh, a mileage tax. The idea would be the more you drive, uh, the more that you are, are taxed based on that. Now, on the surface, you know, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, you pay as you go, you know, that sort of thing. But but was it actually Resulting. Well, first of all, the people who do damage to our roads are not individual consumers, not everyday Americans. It's, it's the shipping companies, you know, the large corporations and their, you know, 18 wheelers that have thousands and thousands of pounds of cargo. They do the biggest damage to these roads. So first of all, it's, it's, it's shifting the blame onto ordinary Americans when in reality it should be going to, to big corporations, but those are now squarely in the pocket of the Democratic Party. So they don't want that. The two, it is essentially a tax on people who have the audacity to not live in liberal metropolises. You know, if you dare not to live in Manhattan or Los Angeles or any of these other cities, you will be punished right. for it. And it's the it's the exact opposite of what we need to be doing because we need to be encouraging people to get out of these cities, to buy a home, to have families, and to, to get a little bit of space for themselves because being crunched up inside these these pods, essentially, that people have created inside these liberal megacities is really bad for them, it's bad for their soul, it's bad for their family. We're talking with uh, Saurabh Sharma. He's the president and co-founder of the American Moment, a new organization. And uh, you can check him out on Twitter himself. It's at S Sharma US at S Sharma US. I'll put up on social media. Uh, Sharma, and you tweeted about this earlier. I think it was today. Could have been uh, a few days ago. And you were commenting on uh, the Belt and Road Initiative. And that's the um, the uh, P- the um, Chinese effort to uh, spread their money all over the world, building infrastructure. First of all, you were tweeting an article where they said it's a failed PR campaign. I'm not sure it's a fail. I didn't read that article yet, but I, I'm not sure it's a failed PR campaign. It, it more to me is a uh, a strategy just to get their hooks into lots of uh, low, uh, more impoverished con- countries. But similarly, we kind of have our federal government trying to get their hooks into our states and local communities, right? You, you want your roads, you got to keep up with the, uh, you know, the, your next door neighbor and therefore you're, you're, you're rolling over for the, uh, for the federal government and, and sort of it becomes this um, you're sort of trapped in this cycle. And I, again, where there are some improvements we need in our country, the question, as you point out, is who's paying for it? That's right. You know, I think that there are some infrastructure projects that are truly national, you know, our interstate highway system and others. Uh, the, the federal government does have a legitimate role to play there. Uh, I, I do think that the key question is, is who pays for it and, and to what extent. You know, Democrats can't help themselves. They always use these big infrastructure projects that are broadly popular as a way to enact their social engineering goals. In this case, it's because they have this irrational fear uh, of, of consumer vehicles. They, they've always hated cars. They don't want individual people driving them. Um, in, in other cases, they use it for all sorts of things. I mean, uh, one of the classic examples, actually, it's, it's an old constitutional law case study, uh, was uh, the original uh, you know, requirement if you wanted to get highway funding uh, as a state was you had to uh, increase your drinking age laws. Uh, from 18 right, to 21. Exactly. Uh, that, that was the original yep. way that they got 
people to do that. And, and, you know, again, on its surface, it sounded like a great idea, but what did it end up doing? It ended up creating the modern American college culture where people, uh, because it's not legal for them, they, they're, they're doing these, uh, you know, these, these absolutely crazy parties. There's no oversight. It's all kind of behind the scenes. And, and a lot of people end up getting hurt and addicted because of it. Whereas you look at other countries that have a, you know, a, a lower drinking age, they actually end up having a pretty healthy culture when it comes to that. So it's all these unforeseen consequences of the left desire to social engineer society that, that, they can't help but use these broadly popular infrastructure projects in order to advance. Well, and and to say it more uh, crassly, you know, you follow the money and, and people are, are, are swayed by the money. So when you're throwing money around as opposed to making arguments and moving forward, uh, we're talking with again with Sarab Sharma. He's the president and co-founder of American Moment. Uh, I wanted to ask you about this again. I saw on your Twitter feed at S Sharma US. Again, I'll put it up on social media that you tweeted in response to someone. Uh, I think it was to I like that guy a lot. I think it was Matt Stoller, uh, who's got a great book on um, on uh, the corporate you know, behemoths. Is it called Goliath? I'm not sure. I can't remember. Anyway, but I'll stop. Uh, But you tweeted in response and said, uh, you know, you have a fellowship uh, at American Moment that is um, open for students or open for, I guess you'll describe it, for students, young people, but you don't have to have a college degree. And and you're having this back and forth saying the system that we're all told we have to subscribe to, your point, was is not a system that necessarily works for everybody. So tell us about, first of all, tell us about the American Moment uh, fellowship so people can hear about that and about your point. Sure. You know, our fellowship program is predicated on this very simple idea. The Republican Party conservative movement, they are a movement for working class people now. Uh, that realignment uh, was happening over the last couple of decades, and it is basically fully concretized now. And so who ends up leading in the Republican Party in the conservative movement? Who ends up leading in places like Washington, D.C. and elsewhere? Unfortunately, as of right now, it doesn't look a lot like that coalition. It's, it's the same cadre of people who went to Harvard and Yale, fancy schools, had an elite education and everything. And in my view, you know, those schools are not teaching those people anything about how to govern from a right-leaning perspective, how to meet the civilizational crisis facing us. And so all it's doing is selecting for, for moneyed interests and people who come from and the, the elite system. And so what we, we built the fellowship to do was essentially try to break that. We're trying to get people involved in staffing in D.C you know, working on Capitol Hill and public policy organizations and elsewhere, no matter the background they come from. We pay well so that they don't have to come from a wealthy background in order to do it. So many people get subsidized by their parents in order to do this sort of work. And we don't require a college degree because, frankly, I see it as a liability. If you have a ton of college <laughs> degree debt, you're, you're less likely to be able to do, you know, what is low-paying ideological work for longer, um, but if you don't have that debt, you know you can you can stomach uh, some of the low-paying uh, work in DC, and you don't have to go be a lobbyist. So that's why we created that program. The application actually closes tomorrow, uh, February, uh, you know, okay. uh, March 31st, and so we've been we've been extremely enthused by the, the overwhelming response we've gotten there. But the, the broader point that undergirds our approach to this ed is that. Every institution in American life that's designed to shape our elites, to, to, to train them up, to, to instill civic virtue in them is broken. Uh, American universities, elite schools, um, in the media culture, um, and the federal government itself are all designed to advance a particular far-left cultural narrative that teaches people to identify by their racial and ethnic categories and teaches them to hate the country. I don't want right. our elites 
certainly not Republican and conservative elites coming out of those institutions. And so if we're serious about it, we need to stop giving them uh, all of the stock and an import that we currently do and, and actually create parallels and alternatives. And that's part of what we're trying to do at American Moment. Uh, we're talking again with Sarab Sharma. He's the president and co-founder of American Moment. And uh, by the way, it was I want to give him credit because it's a good book. Matt Stoller wrote this book uh, called Goliath. And I think I have it as a book. Uh, it must be on my uh, my uh, P- uh, Kindle because I can picture the, the cover there. So uh, it's really good. And so uh, and you're back and forth with him. That's great. We'll put it up on social media. America, American Moment, uh, that fellowship so people can see it. I think you're exactly right and on to something. Uh, thank you. I got to run, Sarab. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. It was my pleasure. Thank you, Ed. All right. We'll take a break. Excuse me. And I'll put all that up on social media, that fellowship, and as well as uh, the back and forth uh, that Sarab was having. It's good stuff. Uh, We'll be right back. Ed Martin here in a Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report. Great to be uh, with our next guest. We are just talking off the air. His name is Tim Pagliara, and he is a uh, well, he's author. He's an author of a couple different books, and uh, the uh, the one that I'm looking at right now is Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Homeownership and Got Caught. And this came out uh, just a couple weeks ago. We'll talk about that in a moment. But also, uh, uh, Tim is a, uh, an investment guy, a, b- a businessman. He's been a successful guy. He lives down in Nashville, Tennessee, near Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, has, um, we were talking, been uh, been down there a number of years. And we shared a alma mater. We both went to St. Louis University School of Law, albeit different years. So, Tim, welcome to the program. How are you? I'm great, Ed. Thanks for having me on today. Great to have you on, and I should say his uh, Tim's website, capwealthgroup.com. You can learn more about him, capwealthgroup.com. Uh, and uh, his book, though, again, is another big lie. Okay, so, Tim, um, this book, uh, let me ask you this about this. Why would you write this book? It feels like this story, we've known this. Maybe we didn't know all of it, but tell me, why would you write this book? Well, to set the record straight and to give mm-hmm. um, American people an idea of how manipulative and corrupt government can be um, through the various different factions that that fight over the financial interests in our system. Um, so it's uh, reflexively everybody blamed Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac for the housing crisis. And right. you know, when the Financial Crisis Inquiry Commission came out, you know, they even dispelled that that uh, that right. rumor, and, and so there was just a whole number of things. And then during the Obama administration, after Fannie and Freddie had proven that they were profitable, um, they engaged in a maneuver where they took 100% of their earnings and profits in perpetuity. These are two of the most profitable companies in the world. And the Obama administration used it for the Affordable Care Act. It was outside the appropriations process of Congress, and it was during a really tough period for them with Grover Norquist and the mandates and the Budget Control Act. And so they basically stole the money. We're uh, we're talking with uh, Tim Pagliara, and he uh, again he's uh, a businessman and has been an investor and been involved. in his book is uh, published by Forbes Books, Forbes Books, and you can find it anywhere you find books. I'm looking at myself at it over at Amazon.com. It's called Another Big Lie: How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Home Ownership and Got Caught. So, Tim, I maintain that starting in the crash in '08, starting in that period, that's the time where the American people, it, it, writ large, sort of gave up on the fact that the system is is fair and honorable. 
comfortable and they started to believe that it was rigged and you got the tea party and then you got the you got the uh, occupy wall street you ended up I'll go forward a few more years and you get bernie sanders and then you get donald trump and the, the american people just looked up and said yeah that is rigged that whole thing is rigged i guess what you're saying here is it not it wasn't just rigged back in 08 09 or 08 when then the, the, it was it kept being rigged <laughs> and this your point is they did it again right i mean they, they this is another story of how the this the government went in, in here and did it so why why are they getting away with it you say they got caught but is anybody really held accountable yes and december 9th the whole issue went before the united states supreme court an oral argument um and it was really amazing you know we're conservatives and yet when you listen to the oral argument justice Breyer and the three most liberal members of the court were the most vocal they called the government out hmm. for nationalizing two behemoth financial services firms you know two of the most profitable in the world and and they they just peppered the government lawyers you know you nationalize it they argued they they said it three times so yeah the story's coming out and that opinion will be rendered it'll be published um sometime in may i think you know that's about the time frame given when they heard oral argument and, and i think it's going to be a resounding opinion i would not be surprised to see it be a 9-0 opinion and you say well how did this get to the supreme court how did all this mess get started the, the federal government the united states treasury lied to a federal judge they lied to judge royce lamberth in the dc circuit and they told uh -huh. the judge that fannie and freddie were in a death spiral and yet the evidence the depositions the chief financial officer and grant thornton the outside accounting firms when David Thompson and Cooper and Kirk, when he finally took their depositions, they said exactly the opposite. They they told, they they testified in their depositions that they had just advised Treasury ten days before they concocted this scheme that they were entering a golden age of profitability. And less than nine months later, they were projecting profits into the Congressional Budget Office for, for the next 10 years. You know, so it's $350 billion. It's the largest expropriation of private property in the history of the world. Is uh, we're talking again. We're t talking with uh, Tim Pagliara and uh, and Tim does the uh, and and let me make sure to say the the book again because I want people to hear it. Another big lie: How the government stole billions from the American dream of home ownership and got caught. Uh, just out a few weeks ago, uh, published by Forbes Books. But so you say they got held accountable. What's the form of that? I went before the Supreme Court. Where you know, sort of what, procedurally, what is it? What is it that can be done? Is it uh, disgorging the profits? I hard to picture the government doing that. Is it is it ending the program? I mean, what is the what is the end game of that that litigation? Now, there's two issues. One is the constitutionality of the Federal Housing Finance Administrator, which administered the proceedings for Fannie and Freddie while they were in conservatorship. That's been, right. you know, the Fifth Circuit on Bach and said on Bonk said that's unconstitutional, just like the CFRB. So the question is whether they get prospective or backward relief. But the, the big right. issue is the Administrative Procedures Act. Did the government fail to act with good faith and fair dealing? Did they violate the very statute that they created? And David Thompson, the attorneys, are asking the government, they're asking the court to invalidate the sweep, which 
declares that $350 billion at 10% interest is paid back, the original $190 billion advance, and they still owe the companies probably 35 to $40 billion. So and Justice Gorsuch, in oral argument, he said, wow, this is a, this is a big ask. Um, <laughs> and I, I think the court was even intimidated um, by this. But, but that's what courts do. I mean, that's what the Supreme right. Court's there for. They, they take on the tough challenges, and I think they're going to they're gonna come through on this. Tim, pulling back up again, we're talking with uh, Tim Bagliar and his uh, businessman and, and investor and now the author of Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions and Got Caught, um, Forbes Books. But pulling back for one second, sort of backing up and into it and saying to your to, 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 looking, what did this do for homeowners? How, how did how did it throw the market off for for the average person listening? They go, um, I bought a I bought a home with my wife, you know, 10 years ago. I'm thinking of getting, you know, buying a new house. What did it do to the market that that is such a uh, other than taking lots of money what did it do to what you know normal people were hoping to have happen well up to this point nothing's happened to to the homeowners um they've kept true to their mission they have continued to provide banks with liquidity they buy mortgages that's what got started in 1938 under henry morgenthau and fdr when they realized that that they needed to do something there was a flaw in the financial system it's pro-cyclical and they needed a counter-cyclical force. So Fannie and Freddie have been providing, you know, high-quality mortgage-backed securitization that pension funds buy forever. The real loser in this is the American taxpayer, because at two levels, number one, you're running two of the largest financial services firms in the world <laughs> right. without capital. There's no capital. Right. So if there right. are losses then the taxpayers are going to be on the hook. And then the second level, it's accounting fraud. They are misstating the balance sheet of the United States government. They're booking all of the revenue, all the earnings and profits. They go into revenue, and it's, it, it's not revenue. You know, they're, they're stealing right. the money, and so they're going to have to reconcile all that. From accounting standpoint, you know, now $350 billion doesn't seem like a big deal, you know, when they're printing $2 trillion retreat routinely, but, but it, <laughs> right. it, it is the integrity of the system that's at stake. And, you know, it makes the government look like a Ponzi scheme, um, you know, at this level wow. where they're yeah. taking money from these companies and they're going to have to pay it back. Well, and not even they not even looking like a Ponzi scheme. They are a Ponzi scheme. I mean, that's what you're kind of showing. All right. Tim Pagliara, thank you. The book is called Another Big Lie, How the Government Stole Billions from the American Dream of Homeownership and Got Caught by Tim Pagliara, Forbes Books, available anywhere you find books. Thanks very much, uh, Tim. I appreciate it. And uh, very interesting topic. Thank you, Ed. All right. We will take a break, and I'll put this uh, up on social media, also his book, the link to the book, and to his website. You can check it all out. We'll take a break and be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report, back in a moment. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily broadcast from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, a national volunteer organization founded by Phyllis Schlafly and continuing to uphold her legacy by honoring family values, opposing radical feminism, and representing a conservative perspective in our nation's capital. Now, the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. 
Liberals have realized that the massive support for Donald Trump is not going away. As long as freedom of speech survives and distrust of the liberal media persists, Democrats cannot completely control the minds of the American people. First, they wrongly impeached President Trump for political speech, and now the Democrats are going full throttle to censor anyone who speaks out for ordinary Americans, just as Donald Trump did. President Trump was kicked off of Twitter as the sitting president of the United States. Big tech is so rabid in their hatred of conservatism that they had no problem with taking on the leader of the free world in their quest to silence any voice expressing political diversity. The unity Joe Biden allegedly wants does not mean reconciliation by the left. It means silencing conservative opposition to the liberal agenda. The ferocious attempts by Democrats to destroy patriots like President Trump, General Mike Flynn, and Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene illustrate how far they will go to stamp out freedom of speech for all of us. New terms are being invented to define this assault against our basic free speech rights. Deplatforming sounds innocuous enough, but it means censoring someone's entire presence on the Internet, even though they may have millions of followers. After taking control of the White House, liberals' real goal is to silence Trump and demonize his supporters to the point that neither Trump nor anyone like him can ever get elected again. Do not think for a moment that this liberal crusade will stop at Trump and other conservative policymakers. Churches may very well be the next target. The right to free speech in the First Amendment was supported in colonial America by pastors who wanted to be sure that they would never be intimidated because of what they say from the pulpit. No other nation has a comparable protection on the right of individuals to express their opinions. After they come for politics, religion is surely to follow along shortly. If you don't want the message of the gospel to be silenced on the Internet, now is the time to fight. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin from Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. When big tech billionaires silence conservative voices on social media, the very core of American liberty vanishes. It's happening, and it's a slippery slope. At phyllisschlafly.com, we have a plan for protecting free speech. It starts with you. Please go to phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. It's Ed Martin here on a Pro-America Report, and uh, it is time for us to talk about something that's a little bit disturbing, and I think we should be worried about it more than we are. And that is, um, what is, uh, you know, we've heard, we, we're going to hear uh, tomorrow, I think it is, we'll talk with John Schlafly about his column about vaccine passports, um, uh, people talking about how uh, you could be tracking biometrics of people. And as I've said from the beginning uh, of the last, maybe the last two or three years uh, on the program, since I started the show, I've I've said I think that the intelligence agencies has have more, much more on us uh, than we realize, um, that they have much more uh, information on all of us, and that in some ways, you know, it, privacy is long since, uh, you know, been gone. So, uh, you know, but here's, here's what I want to talk about right now. You saw the Matt Gates story, Congressman Gates, where he came out in the last 48 hours, and he said there was an investigation into me. Uh, because of some extortion. And then the New York Times reported from sources within the FBI that there was an investigation into him about perhaps um, 
tr- sex trafficking or uh, relationships with his girlfriends or underage or something. Now, there is a story out of te- uh, Florida, uh, one of Matt Gates' contemporaries in politics in the area where he's a congressman, uh, Seminole County a tax collector, resigned, I don't know, eight months ago for uh, reasons of some improprieties that were alleged in an indictment. So here's what I'm saying. It feels like the FBI doesn't like Matt Gates. Now, maybe they're investigating for something real, but they don't seem to like him. That's no surprise, right? He's been a voice uh, against the deep state, against uh, wars. He's been a pro-Trump guy, all these kinds of things that he's had on his side in, in terms of his approach. And so suddenly he finds himself with all these leaks. The thing I want to talk about is the leak. What is it about a leak from the FBI to the New York Times about a, an investigation? Because if you go officially to the, New, uh, to the FBI and say, what about our Department of Justice? What about an investigation into a congressman? They would say something like, we can't comment on an ongoing investigation. It's kind of one of these things where they can't deny it or they wouldn't deny it, but they wouldn't be able to comment. So it's kind of like you're painted out there and damaged out there. What, no matter what happens, no matter what you did or didn't do. And, um, and that brings me over to uh, a follow-up, and there'll be a piece uh, that came out, uh, I think it's um, either Thursday, could be out Thursday, by um, Julie Kelly, <coughs> pardon me, that lays out again how the prosecution of all those supposed insurrectionists on January 6th turns out to have been uh, mostly mostly not a big deal and mostly, um, you know, silly. And here's the thing I want to ask you about. There's a, there's a, a piece that I read over at Revolver, revolver.news, that breaks out how there is a, the FBI has a, a very specific operation where they are checking to see the sentiments, meaning the sentiments, meaning like the feelings, like how people react and act or how people feel, that's the word feel, about things is being used as a tool by the FBI to try to whether people in the National Guard or in the military in general are appropriate to be in the military. Now, think about this, isn't it? It doesn't it make you really nervous that you have the FBI coming up with some kind of tool that's like a I don't know what, a personality test, a a a feelings test, and it's going to be used to do something close to assessing whether somebody should be in the military? Maybe it's going to be used to say whether somebody should be promoted in the military. I mean, again, it's hard to it's hard to feel confident about the FBI and other institutions after the track record over the last five years where we see, you know, FISA warrants uh, faked by Department of Justice attorneys, FBI uh, uh, off, uh, uh, agents, you know, texting things that sound an awful lot like awful lot like being antagonistic to their civilian boss, the president. You've got the, the FISA courts themselves being angry. You've got uh, John Brennan uh, of the intelligence community effectively lying to the Senate. You got all these kinds of things that have occurred that give uh, people real reason to worry about the confidence that they can have in the in the federal government. And now we have things like a, a an FBI um, analysis uh, of sentiment in the military. I, I guess the question becomes it, it's it would be. Here's the question. It would be crazy if our intelligence community was not using all of the tools that are now available to us, including how they uh, understand neuroscience and how they understand persuasion on social media. Our intelligence community would have to be utilizing that, right? Because we would want to be aware of how China could be using it against us or uh, other foreign nations could be doing something against us. So there you are. The question is, 
Do we have any confidence that our military and our intelligence community will stop short of using it against uh, we the people? And especially when there's this growing uh, consensus on the cent- on the left that a third of the country, MAG America, is not just wrong, but and not just wrong-headed, but must be stopped as nearly a criminal class. That's the difference here. The difference is that we have had uh, three and a half or four years of the narrative machine, big tech, big media, and big government, persuading people that their fellow citizens, a certain number of them, are not just wrong-headed, but that they are insurrectionists or seditious or whatever else. And once you get to that point, it's like the old thing. If you if you really believe that the, the leader who was um, in office was a was a Hitler character, you would be morally obliged to do everything you could to stop him, right? So that's that, that and, and that's what, we, in a certain sense, we have had our, our, our narrative machine convincing many, many Americans, including, there's no reason to think they wouldn't be, the people that are in office, meaning in bureaucratic offices in the FBI and other places, convincing people that the people in power, the, uh, that, that have positions... Uh, that are dis- they're disagreeable in the past you would say oh they're wrong or they're disagreeable or they're out of touch now you'll say that they're seditious and that they're requiring of action and then you're going to use all the tools you can we got to run thank you as always to know our technical director joanna for booking our guests and you for listening we'll be back tomorrow it's ed martin here in the pro america report talk to you then America Report on The Answer, San Diego.